Welcome to 216, a link to the past randomizer podcast. I am your host, Fear Agent. If you're new to the show, you might be asking why your show is called 216, and that's because in a normal link to the past randomizer seed, there are 216 checks available, and we plan to do all 216 checks with our guests here on the show. And on today's show, we've got my good bud, Zero Rush. Had a real good chat with Zero, and just a big fan of the dude. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear this one. Really good conversation. Uh, first order of business, the 216 Weekly, this Saturday. Didn't have a mode for it on the Willard J. Bradley episode, but we do now. Humbug has confirmed that we will be playing standard cross keys. Now, that's not just a regular cross keys. That literally means a standard start cross keys. So you got to do the escape sequence with a random uh, starting weapon from Uncle, and then and then it's cross keys. So this isn't a regular, like, standard mode that people play, and standard is such a stupid name for a mode because there's nothing standard about it. <laughs> Maybe we should come up with a new name for standard, because when you say standard cross keys, that just makes you think that, like, a regular cross keys, but no, standard is the mode. Standard means starting at Link's house, doing the Zelda rescue, but you get a random weapon instead of a guaranteed sword from Uncle. I kind of wish I was playing this one. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. So that's what we'll be doing this Saturday, noon Eastern, available to anyone. I'll be restreaming it on my channel, twitch.tv slash fearagent underscore. Everyone is welcome to play. And if you can't join at noon Eastern, you can always async it. And we've got a spoiler channel in the Discord. So check that out. Standard cross keys chosen by Humbug. I think it's going to be fun. So we are in week two of the league currently about to about to get into week three in a couple of days seen a lot of Invrosia, a lot of Invrosia being played this week and practiced i'm not running this week not a big fan of Invrosia, not necessarily because of Invrosia, just more of an inverted thing i remember playing a lot of inverted when it first came out there was a group of us that really grinded out a lot of inverted i think of like myself and illis and frodo at the time played a lot of inverted i think inverted does a good job of kind of mixing inverted up i guess the scary thing about inverted is like low percent boss fights with like moth and and blind and even uh cold stare that the game can kind of force you to do early on and inverted i guess kind of alleviates that a bit but there's like a there's just changes to inverted that i think should be made and I think the devs have thought about making just some like overall changes to give you like access to more stuff early, I think would be better than what Inverosia is. I think Inverted could work, but like some of the Death Mountain stuff is kind of wonky. Uh, the early game, since, you know, you only have VOO, Skull Woods, Hype Cave, you know, there's not a lot to do. It's kind of limited in, in the stuff that's available. So if, if they made a couple of changes, I kind of like to see them like, I don't know. I, one of the, th the ideas I kind of had would be to remove the pegs, the hammer pegs that go from hype cave to pyramid pod area and maybe like put those pegs on the bridge of the light world. I think that'd be kind of interesting. I think if you kind of like flip it, I think what what's interesting about inverted, it's trying to make you do some like low percentage stuff. So I think if there's Still that low percentage stuff available, but more checks. I'm not sure. I don't have all the answers. I think even Codeman did like a couple of, of changes to, to inverted on his like version of the randomizer. I'd kind of like to check that out. I just think there's some things that you could do to inverted. I think there's just like maybe some like play test stuff that you could do to inverted to like, you know, just slightly tweak it because it is tweaked. I mean, I know the devs don't like to get too ROM hacky and I, and I understand that. But they've made, you know, significant changes to be able to play it. So like K45 and Graveyard Ledge have like things changed so that you can access them. So it's not outside of the, the realm of possibility to make some changes. I'd be interested in see what what people could come up with to make Inverted a little bit more playable and not just make it Inverosia. The flute thing is kind of awkward with having to activate it in the light world. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what the answers are, but I think I think Inverted is like close to being playable i don't love it as it is now even with like the different variations that that have have been around with like the the tournament version or ambrosia or some some of the other ones i hope everyone's having fun with it though i'm i hope everyone's having a good good time this week we've got kaz boots for week three so that one's going to go by quick you know, on the show, we talk a lot about Tilt, and it's the one question that I ask every single guest that's on the show. You know, Tilt comes in, in many different fashions. You know, when I ask the question, the purpose is to try to get better at handling Tilt 
specifically that like salty, tilty loss that happens when, you know, you feel like you should have won and, and you didn't, you played really well and you didn't get the win, you know, the, that sort of tilt that, that happens is really kind of my focus and getting others perspective on it. And, you know, just trying to better ourselves, I think is, is kind of the goal of the question, but there's so many different ways of getting tilted. And I'm specifically going to talk about, uh, tilt when you have no control over the situation. So I'm a big sports fan. There's a lot of sports talk in the 216 discord. I watch a lot of football, big fan of baseball, specifically Seattle sports and the Mariners. The Seattle Mariners are in the playoffs and they won a playoff game against the Toronto Blue Jays by coming back down eight to one and knocking the Blue Jays out of the postseason. It was awesome as a Mariners fan, you know, super tilting, I'm sure, as a, a, a Blue Jays fan, but it was awesome as a Mariners fan. And then a couple days later, we played the Houston Astros and were up two runs in the bottom of the ninth with two outs and gave up a three run shot that ended the game and we lost. Oh man, the tilt is real. I was watching it live on stream. I was doing a live stream drawing and watching along with, with some people in chat, having a good time. And the Mariners were winning the whole time and feeling really good. And then the end happened and it just, it's so heartbreaking. It's so tilting and you have zero control over any of it. It makes me think of the worst moment of tilt that I had no you know control over. And that was Super Bowl 49 with the Seahawks and the, and the Patriots. If you're an American football fan, it's a very well-known play that the Seahawks were about to score the game-winning touchdown with very little time remaining. And the best running back in the game just needed one yard and instead threw the ball. It was an interception and we lost. And I was depressed for a good week. <laughs> like, no joke. It tilted me so hard. And I'm just a spectator. I have no effect on the game whatsoever. There's nothing I can do that could have affected the outcome, but you get so invested and then just so demoralized, so crushed. And I think that's kind of the heart of the tilt question is that we are invested in this game. A lot of us are very invested in the time that we spend playing this game. And so you really do want to win, but you only affect one side of the race, right? You have no control over what the randomizer rolls. You have no control over what your opponent does, the decisions that they make, the execution that they have. All you have is what you can do. And it's tough sometimes. It's tough. It's tough to uh, to be so invested in a win or a loss or a play and for it to not go your way. And so I hope I hope this podcast has helped people find ways of managing that. Right. Like tilt is going to happen. You're going to lose. You're going to make the wrong decision. You're going to make the wrong play. Something's not going to go your way. And when that comes, are you prepared? And it's a and it's something that Zero Rush and I talk about uh, when, when he gets to his tilt question is preparing yourself for it, being prepared for for losing just as much as you are for winning. So today on the show, we've got Zero Rush. Zero Rush has been a long time member of the community, really good at the game, doesn't really play much anymore. And we, we get into why, but I got to like know Zero Rush a bit more the last couple of years, you know, post 2020, I would say, started hanging out in a discord and, you know, we, he was part of a group that, that we played Among Us with and he's got an awesome wife that would play games and give a shit just as much as he would. <laughs> and just a really cool dude. And I was really glad that he agreed to do this because as he talks about in the episode, he wasn't really invested in the community as much as he was in just being good at the game. And so to be, you know, I think considered a friend, I think is pretty cool. Big fan of Zero. And uh, enough of me talking about what he talks about. Let's just get to it. Here's Zero Rush. All right, Zero. I'm, I've never told you this, but... I was super intimidated by you <laughs> when I first was watching you race. I think it was just because of how good you are at the game. When, when I first came around in the community, you were like in the top of all of the rando stuff. So first, thanks for coming on and doing the show. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No problem. Happy and to be here. Second, yeah. Thanks for not being as intimidating as I thought you were going to, you know, <laughs> thought, you thought you were when you, when I originally uh, was around. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I don't know about gameplay wise, but I think I think I have that effect on a lot of people probably who I don't know personally because, you know, I don't know. It's hard to show emotion over text, but sure. As I've gotten to know you, 
I see like a different side of you for sure. But for some reason, and it's not like you come off as like arrogant or anything, but there's just like some sort of like something intimidating about you. And it had to do with your <laughs> gameplay as well. But I remember thinking like, God, oh, this guy's really good. And he seems like he's not an asshole, but just intimidating. I think that was that was kind of my first impressions. Yeah, well, I man, I don't know how long ago that was, but I will say for like the first few years, I tried very hard in randomizer that's for sure so that i'm sure that probably mm. was a lot of it just like yeah a lot of intense effort i was playing hours and hours every day so yeah i think my first big like the big race that i saw was against you and andy and it was like the main tournament mm-hmm. and i think your console crashed or something like pretty um, late into the race was that a main tournament race there was a qualifier that happened I, yeah. so the the match I had against Andy, that was probably the spring 2018 one, I think. That's the one everyone okay. knows where we yeah. tied in like game three. Was uh-huh. that the one you're talking about? It might have been. Uh, I mean, I've had a couple console crashes in tournaments before. I, I yeah. don't think I've had one against Andy, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Hardware, right. man. 20, 25 year old hardware. So <laughs> that's true. 30 year old hardware. <laughs> so you've been around for a long time. Where did you first find Link to the Past Randomizer? So. You know this. A lot of people may not, but um, I'm personal friends with Ninjembro. We've known uh-huh. each other since high school. And one day he's just like, hey, did you know they have a link to the past randomizer? And I was like, no, I did not. And he's like, <laughs> we should play it sometime. And so we did. And then uh, that was like three minutes before the very first randomizer tournament happened, or at least like the big one, the 2017 mm. one. Okay. Um, and so I just kind of do- dove right into it. Um but yeah, Link to the Past was one of my favorite games as a kid, so it was really exciting to be able to play it again differently. Right. So, yeah. So I was just like hooked on it for quite a while after that. Did you speedrun it before you started playing the randomizer, or did the speedruns come after? Because you have a 124, right, in, in NMG? I do. Yeah, currently um, it's a 124. Um, I didn't really speedrun it. Uh, so speedrunning isn't really something I did until Zelda or until Link oh, to the Past. Okay. So it was like my first foray, but I've, you know, played video games my whole life. So I was mm-hmm. more of a completionist when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So like all of the games I played, I would f- try and find everything, you know, sure, today, and sure. today they have like Xbox achievements and everything for hundred percent in games, <laughs> right. but they didn't right. then. So right. we just had to find everything and double check it with like a strategy guide or something. So, right. <laughs> yeah, I'd actually played through Link to the Past a little bit before the randomizer started or before I started playing the randomizer. Um, and I was surprised to find, even though I hadn't played the game for like 10 years, I still knew where everything was. So that really helped. But um, yeah, that's kind of how I approached games before Link to the Past mm-hmm. and still do a little bit to this day. I, I hate skipping stuff, but um, I yeah, other than that, like no real speed run experience okay. until Randomizer. OK, so let's start. Let's go even further back then with Little Zero. You said you grew up <laughs> playing video games. Where, what was your first console? Was it was it the NES? No, the Atari, actually. So oh, way back. Yeah, I was lucky enough. Um, I mean, I was like three at the time or something like mm-hmm. that, two or three. Like, But my uh, family had an Atari. So that was like my, I don't remember much about it, but that was my mm. first. It was one of the later edition Ataris, I think. Whatever came out right before the NES, like the 3600. Oh, the 3600. Yeah, okay. Yeah, whatever that okay. one was. Um, yeah, so, but the earliest memories I have is probably obviously the original zelda mm-hmm. you can't really forget that one right um and then after that uh super mario world i mean the the og super mario a little bit but then super mario World for the snes so that's you know mm. i was like six or seven at the time maybe but that's kind of like that's when i like first started developing long-term memories you know so sure that was the one that like hit you then right like yeah like as far as impactful games it was the super nintendo yeah, because I, I remember the like the Nintendo for me because we're close to the same age. I think I might be a little mm-hmm. bit older, but I, I remember my my experiences with the original Nintendo and and specifically Zelda was I remember getting it and never beating it. <laughs> but, yeah, but for Link to the Past, I have like very very specific memories of playing that as well. So I get mm, that. Yeah, exactly. We used to um, like I grew up kind of poorly. We we had a lot of stuff that a lot of people didn't. But that's because that was like the one thing. So like I had a computer Mm. since I was really young and pretty much every early gen console, like every Christmas we would get a new console. 
and oh. uh, that year it was the Super Nintendo. But I didn't have a lot of games. We would just rent them. Like we'd go to Blockbuster mm-hmm. way back in the day. Right. And uh, the one very specific memory I have of Link of the Past is playing with my dad and us finding the boots, which mm. we now know is like literally the first 20 minutes of the game, right? <laughs> mm. Or if you're speed running the first seven minutes of the game or right. something like that. Um, 11, it's like 11 ish minutes. Or yeah. Something yeah. Yeah. Or if you're like uh, Eddie, it's like 1041. Okay. <laughs> sure. But uh, yeah. And that, that like blew my mind when I was a kid. Mm. And that's it's kind of weird how you have those like very specific memories. There's that right. one, and there's um the first time I went over to like a friend's house, and his brother, like teenager, was playing Final Fantasy VI, and uh, that was like the first RPG I've ever seen where like the sprites move around mm. in combat. So yeah. I don't know, I don't know how much you've played a six, but like you have people jumping around the screen, flashy animations, and then pretty much ever since then it's just like. I'm just going to play video games for the rest of my life, I guess. <laughs> so it was the SNES that hooked you then, really? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So definitely got started on the SNES. And then as I got older, you know, moved on to like PlayStation and stuff. But even during that era, when I was a kid and it was like summer school break and my parents were at work all day, I was home by myself all day or with my sister. All I did was play ROMs, which mm. at the time was Super Nintendo. And that's kind of like all that was out at the point. Sure. So, yeah. So yeah, spent many of my childhood years playing games on the Super Nintendo, even into like my <laughs> early teens. Sure. What about where did Sega land on in all this? Were you more of just a nin- Nintendo? Was that what you had, or were you playing Sonic and and stuff with friends? I mean, I had a Sega. I actually had Sega Channel. If you remember that? Um, yeah. What so is that? Uh, so Sega Channel was a subscription based service you could get through like your ISP at the time. And it was like this little thing you connected to your Sega and then it had a like a I think it was a phone line, I guess, um, like Internet access. Now, this is in the early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. This is after Internet. It, it might have been like through cable. Maybe I'm not sure. I don't know the wow. the technical aspects of it. But yeah. So every week there would be a different collection of Sega games to play. Mm. So it was like one of the earliest like games of the service type things as far mm. as I know. Yeah. So I had that. And then what that that went out of business eventually, because <laughs> sure, of course it did. And then I didn't really <laughs> do much on the Sega. I think um, there was like Sonic and then there was like Fantasy Star, which is a big Sega one as well. And I didn't play too much else on the Sega besides that, like a lot, at least. I mean, I played mm-hmm. a lot of Sega games, but none that yeah. really come to mind. When did you start making the transition into to PC games? Because I know you're like a into like world of warcraft and stuff so when did that Mm -hmm. that sort of happen uh when world of warcraft came out so uh yeah we i was like i don't know 17 16 at the time Mm -hmm. and we were at a friend's house and he had world of warcraft this is like right after it came out and uh i got to play it there and i was like this is the greatest game i've ever played (laughs) and so i had a i had a like part-time job as a cashier at the grocery store and i started saving up money and my very first computer was one of those i don't know if you remember the e-machines like the the Mm -hmm. original pre-built machines yeah one of those and played world of warcraft and even after that like i didn't play a lot of pc games because my computer could never handle that shit but there's like world of warcraft and then nowadays i'm into a lot more stuff i've played starcraft league of legends dota here is a new earth before that shut down all kinds of fun games like that. And mm-hmm. I don't really play console as much anymore, but I think that's right. probably probably normal for a lot of people just because it's not yeah. as convenient when you're on the computer anyway. Sure. I think there's a lot of people, especially our age, that sort of make that transition. And it feels, I know this is not right, but that consoles are for younger people almost. <laughs> like when you think of the Switch, you kind of think <laughs> of like more of like kids games. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, a, a little bit. Um, it's just there There have been like we have a Switch and a PlayStation 4 and all that. We haven't been mm-hmm. I haven't been able to find a PlayStation 5, but that's a separate topic. Um. But uh, it's just not as convenient, which is weird mm. because nowadays, since I'm an uh, I'm a grown ass man and I can afford an actual <laughs> computer, right. it, like like I'll buy a game. This actually happened with one of the Final Fantasies. I forget which one. Like I bought it for console and I was playing it, mm-hmm. and then I got it for the PC just so I could play it on the PC instead. So I didn't have to like go downstairs 
when I felt like playing it and like turn on the TV and turn on right. the PlayStation, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a lot yeah. more. I don't know. I, I kind of live my life online half the time, so it's just easier. Sure. So I, I've never played World of Warcraft. I'm not super familiar with with all that goes on, but it feels like when you get into it, it like consumes you. At least that's how it is with a lot of my friends. Was that? Yes. I was for you when you were younger and con- continued on as you got older even. Yeah, so there is somewhat of a reason for that, though. So when I was a when I right before I turned 18, like the week before I turned 18, I was in college and I broke my leg really badly. So I was just kind of on my ass at that point Mm. and just played World of Warcraft. And then for like the next like three years, that was like the only game I played. It's like waking up from a fever dream and then you're just like, (laughs) wow, where has half my life gone? Right. So don't don't recommend it. But yeah, MMOs have a tendency to really suck you in that way. Um, if you're not careful, especially modern yeah. MMOs, because like with the the modern age, I suppose, like lack of knowledge isn't a thing anymore. Right. When it comes to games like that. So instead, there's just a million different things to do. And if you have like a completionist mindset, you kind of just like if you sit down to play it, you just get way too into it. Mm. And if you don't have the time to do that, you're like, what's the point? Who cares? I'm not going to have enough time to play it. So I might as well just not bother. So Mm -hmm. uh, some people can play those games like really casually, but I'm not one of them. It's hard for me. So did you like form a guild and have like a certain group of players that you were like constantly playing with? And is there like a competitive nature to it as well? I'm not sure how, how competitive WoW is. Like, I know there is the, like you were saying, a little bit more casual, but. Yeah, so at the time, um, I mean, I didn't have my own guild or anything. I was young, but I was in a guild, um, which actually, well, maybe we'll approach that topic outside this question. But the reason I have my current career is because of World of Warcraft, which is a fun story. Yeah, so I played more casually, not just because as a kid, I didn't have, you know, mm-hmm. the context to like, right, you know, put in the effort. But um, there's uh, there's definitely a competitive aspect to it. A lot of a lot of guilds will like do world first race. So anytime there's like a new expansion or a new raid wing. In fact, the most recent, like the final boss of Shadowlands or whatever, had like a whole bunch of teams like fly out their entire guild, like to an on site location to just play WoW like 18 <laughs> wow. hours a day for an entire week. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Outside. I never really did that aspect of it. I did PVP a bit. Um, I was a gladiator in burning crusade, which is like the highest PVP title you can get. Okay. Um, but that's about it. Okay. I didn't really, it, it was more of a lack of connections, I guess. It's not like I mm. wasn't trying to play anything competitively or be better. I just didn't know anyone. Sure. Like I played with my, I played with, my now wife, Lauren, um, a lot. And then there's a couple friends I've made who mm-hmm. are still friends to this day that I play games with. So that's cool. That's the cool aspect of it, right? Like creating those like relationships that end up <laughs> lasting mm-hmm. pretty damn long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to uh, to go back to my original point, my guild leader was is a well, is a friend of mine, but was the person who got me my job. Mm-hmm. technically at where i'm at now so it's for a different company we got bought out by nasdaq but i still work there um yeah he was at the time my guild leader and then like eight years later i was whining about how my bank wouldn't give me a loan for our car because they said my debt to income ratio was too high and i'm like what are you talking about and he's like yo send me your <laughs> resume and then boom and now i've had this a job for like 11 years total now so moving up the ranks a, a, a long-term career you know it sure. kind of kick-started that whole thing yeah. so it's pretty cool and that it all started because awesome. of world of warcraft so there you go yeah i have a very similar story where i was playing uh i was in a, in a counter-strike clan and we had lands and one of the guys that was in our in our clan uh worked for like microsoft and he'd get all these like sponsorships for our lands we've had like our 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 clan was pretty big it had like 60 to 7 people in it and one of the sponsors i ended up doing work for and have worked for since the last gosh 15 years now it's it's pretty awesome yeah i feel like that's um interesting note there that's something people don't really explain to you that well when you're a kid or at least nobody i knew did it's like it's like yeah if you're a good hard worker and you're competent you know what you're doing that's great but you know you really gotta meet people like yeah that's that like being being a competent person is like a baseline in a career 
And then yeah. outside of that, just <laughs> right. know people, know people, know and people. be likable, and you'll be yeah. good to go. Don't be a dick and uh, make connections. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it, it'll take you far. All right. So when do you start finding like Twitch or are you watching speed runs or or any of that stuff? Does that come with rando or does that come before before then? It's a good question. So I I didn't really use Twitch much until randomizer. I don't think like I would watch streams sometimes, um, but that wasn't really big when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I think Twitch started as like Justin.tv. And before that, yeah. it was some random website where you could like upload videos. Um, right. But yeah, once I actually started playing randomizer, like I had a Twitch account, kind of dusted it off and actually started using it. Um, okay. Yeah. But before then, not really. Okay. Because like with the World of Warcraft, I, I don't know, is that streamed a lot? It might be different nowadays, but it is now. Yeah. Um, before it was more streaming wasn't as big back when I played it like so like I played the first and second expansion a lot the, like and then I kind of tapered off after that. But back then, like streaming wasn't really a thing yet. Mm-hmm. Like this was before YouTube even. Right? right. Back when we had Google video and shit like that. <laughs> right. So, like people yep. it, usually it would be people uploading the uh, like compilation clips and stuff like that mm-hmm. that they recorded. They'll do like the local recording, which also wasn't super easy back then because like you couldn't really find good screen recording software unless you paid a lot of money for it nowadays it's really easy but uh, right compressing those videos that even with the low resolution that they had wasn't uh wasn't a thing to do until really youtube made it uh, a bit more common Mm -hmm. yep and now there's a lot of freeware tools to do stuff so like you can get i mean ops does screen recording for free really easily of course and then if you want to get a little more technical with it you can use like ffmpeg or something to actually mm-hmm. do video compression if you know you want to spend some time learning it but yeah it's a lot sure. more accessible now so back then there wasn't really much of that mm-hmm. other than people you know huddling around watching their 240p pvp <laughs> highlight reels <laughs> exactly Dude, if you, that you, like, <laughs> you can still you can still find some of those online too like the old vanilla pvp like rogue videos and they just you maximize one of those videos and it's just so bad <laughs> <laughs> It's just like one pixel. <laughs> it is pretty funny. Uh, all right. So getting to back to Rando a little bit. Yeah. You come off as a very competitive person or someone who like when they get into it really gets into it. You like don't half ass it. Was that your mm-hmm. approach to Rando? And and what was those that early time like? Were you Did you just start racing? Did you were you an Ingembro playing offline? Uh, what, what kind of walk me through your early Rando days? Yeah. So, I mean, when I first started, we were playing offline. So, like I said, I was a bit of a completionist when I was a kid. So I more or less knew where most things were with the exception of like the junk chest. Mm. So a lot of my like Ganon's Tower, for example, when you're a kid, it's like a maze. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to miss stuff in there. Um, sure. But when I was uh, so the very first like the first couple months of randomizer, I was just getting used to like dungeon layouts like all these rooms and stuff you never had to go into to find anything. It's like, cool, there's mm-hmm. a chest with five arrows. Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we would play offline a lot. And then, you know, he was like, hey, there's a tournament. So I joined the tournament um, just to play, try it out. And then from there, I joined the actual speedrun discord mm, okay. a little bit after that. So I got like the practice hack and stuff started like actually practicing bosses and things like that um started watching videos of other people playing started actually watching races you started joining like the pickup races in irc both back Mm -hmm. when that was what was used right and uh yeah and then kind of just gradually over time got better um i did start speedrunning the game at some point Uh, i think it was a little bit before the first NMG tournament, not the first one, but the first one after Rando came out. Right. I right. had like a one, yeah, I had like a 139 at the time and uh, just started doing the speed run and um, progressing from there. There's so many resources nowadays, right? Like you've got Dunka Tracker mm-hmm. and Emo Tracker and Cross Product and all these different trackers and you've got a bunch of YouTube videos and there's like a million mentor tournament. There's a million ways to get better at this game or to have people like kind of help guide you through that. What were you using or was it just like you and Njembro going by memory <laughs> trying to figure this out? <laughs> yeah. So in terms of randomizer, it was just volume. 
we do a lot of races. If I get stuck somewhere, I'd ask someone who obviously finished the race. Like right. one of the one of the early famous locations was like Pearlis. Uh, God, I'm brain farting right now. The the rock in Meyer area. You have to mirror and open it yeah, up. Yeah, checkerboard cave. Thank you, Jesus Christ! It's been a while. <laughs> Holy shit! Um, yeah, we'll so that was another one. How you no longer play Rando anymore? <laughs> yeah, total, total brain fart. But yeah, so there'd be stuff like that. Like I just, I'm stuck in the seat. I don't know what I missed because you know mm-hmm. we didn't have map trackers for new players back then. Um, at least not anything. You know, maybe like a hand tracker someone made. I don't know. But right. There, there's that one, or like I'm stuck. I don't know how to get to West Dark World. It's like, oh yeah, did you know you can go pick up the rock north of the village? And you're like, what? Um, yeah, so it was sheer volume, and just every time I'd run into a problem, I'd ask questions and try and find out what I missed, and then just go from there. So, yeah. So I've always been the, a learn-by-doing kind of guy. So Sure. So how much did NMG then improve your game, and how fast did you get to the 124? Did it take you a couple of years? Yeah, so the 124, to give the short answer, the 124 took me quite a long time. The 125 was a lot easier, but Mm. it's mostly because I was having like a chronic motivation problem. Like I would start a speed run, I'd like mess up in the first five minutes, I'd reset. You know, mm. and and these aren't like run ending mistakes. They just be like, oops, I lost five seconds. I better reset. <laughs> and like, I just couldn't get out of that mindset. And it would just tilt me when I would fuck mm. something up. And so I kind of just never finished runs, which is what you have to do after a certain point. Right. You just have to right. grind it out, yep. get more consistent. Like it takes no matter how much you practice, you have to play and actually do. And so. I kind of stopped speedrunning NMG for like a year and then kind of went back to it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to stream because that'll motivate me to actually finish. And I'm going to mm. do like one to two runs every day. And then I finally got my 124 after like two and a half weeks of that. Um, wow. The overall from like my first time starting speedrunning to the 124, it was like two to three years or something like that. Did Maybe you enjoy more. the grind of, of speedrunning? Because you said you... You never speed ran games before. Do you enjoy doing the grind to get better? Because to get a 124, you got to like really yeah. grind out those rooms. Yeah. So I greatly enjoy grinding rooms. I love the practice hack and I love just practicing. The part that is very difficult for me is actually doing full runs. Mm. And I okay. think that's what holds me back. Cause like, um, you look at some of the other runners, like I think, uh, I want to say it was airy maybe i can't remember who did the whole i'm going to do you know a hundred runs in a month or whatever whatever it was and that man just grinded out like five runs a day and it's just like how is this possible how can anyone <laughs> like i i play for like 30 every now and again i'll turn it on and i'll play for like 30 minutes and i'm just be like oh just don't have the motivation to finish which is kind of crappy when you're talking about trying to like get a really good time in a speed run so yeah i don't know it it might be a bit of burnout i don't know but early on it was a lot more fun when there was a lot more room for air you know Mm -hmm. yeah but when you're trying to like like at a certain point even a even a small mistake really ruins it and so it kind of gets a little more stressful (laughs) right yeah totally so as you're doing these runs are you still playing rando are you kind of going back and forth between the two usually i'll do both at the same time, like if I'm doing NMG, that'll kind of motivate me to play Rando a bit because it it's like a, it's like taking a break from grinding, but still playing the game in some sense. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, plus, it, it, after you, I will say after you play a lot of NMG or whatever, after you speed run and practice the speed run grind a lot, it makes playing the randomizer so much more fun because like it, <laughs> right. it just feels like clean, you know? Sure. Like, there's a difference sure. between playing a, through a randomizer seed and then like playing through a randomizer seed once you're warmed up, so to speak. You just <laughs> right. kind of, you just kind of cruise through it. It's so nice. You know, you still might not win, right? Because it's randomizer, but it at least feels nice to play. Like mm-hmm. those were the the times like I would play a lot of races and just feel real good about how I played, even if I lost. And that was mm-hmm. nice. So it's fun to do them at the same time. Sure. 
How did you do in that first tournament that you that you joined? The 2017 one you said, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, not very well, uh, obviously, because I was like new. Um, I think so it had like group stages, and I think I think I got I think I tied for like third and fourth or something. I, I ended up involved in some kind of four-way tiebreaker where like only the top two of that race advanced. Mm-hmm. And I got knocked out there. Like, um, I, I can't. I I know. I want to say like Jay Coper was in my group. Broya sounds familiar. Okay, that's not someone I'm super familiar with. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he plays anymore. This is like way back. But uh, yeah. I but basically, I won like two games. Ultimately, <laughs> is what happened. Um, even though you didn't win, it, it kind of sank its teeth in you, right? Oh yeah. Um. So here's something else you know about me. I uh, I love tilting people, obviously, <laughs> um, and I, I I'll always remember I uh, played against this is my race against I think it was Jay Coper, and he was obviously established at this point. He was m- maybe new to Link to the Past randomizer, or somewhat new, but he plays a lot of Zelda one. He's really really good at Zelda one, and I had a race against him, and there was like he like forgot an item, like forgot a location, and so missed an item for forever. And I ended up beating him. And in the interview, he said to me something to the effect of like, you know, congratulations, you got your one win. And it was like Mm. the saltiest thing I've ever heard someone say in my life. (laughs) And legitimately, if I'm being honest, at that moment, I was like, I'm playing this game forever now. So that's just, I mean, I grew up playing this kind of game, so yeah. Sure, sure. It fed you in a way that the game almost couldn't even. (laughs) I have a a sodium deficiency and I need it. (laughs) So so how did that go forward then as you progress? Because you got pretty good at the game relatively quickly. Yeah, um, it honestly, it went pretty well. I, um, like I said, I tried really, really hard in the early rando days. Uh, so, you know, there's always this like ongoing conversations about whether the game is accessible to new players and certain things are too hard or not. Um, but I didn't care about any of that. I was just like, mm-hmm. if someone else is doing it, I'm going to do it too. And um, hovering was the big one. That was the big topic back then. Maybe it still is. I don't think it is anymore, but I don't think it is as much, especially yeah. with like the Moldorm bounce and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But back then there was like three people that could hover who played mm-hmm. rando. And so, I always just I spent a lot of time trying to learn that too. So I was like, mm-hmm. I I want to be one of the people who can do this too, um, and so that's kind of how I approached all my races. And it's like, well, if uh, like I, I tried not to think of it in terms of whether or not someone was better than me. I guess when I would play them, mm-hmm. I would just I'd say I played a lot riskier. Like, okay, if I didn't think I could do something. Or, or that's not the way it, even if when it came to routing i guess i would just go for it even if i didn't know if i could do it or not like i lost mm-hmm. a lot of early races to book shotless moldworm 2 because i was like i'm gonna go up there and i'm gonna try it out and if i can't do it then i guess i just lose um <laughs> that's one example another example is like all right Swamp Palace or uh, Ice Palace is looking real nice right now. I got like four hearts and a master sword. Let's go. And that that was the way I approached the game and just kind of trial by fire. So sure. Were you because I know that, you know, a lot of the glitchless stuff are the, you know, like the the overworld glitches and things like that. Were you a part of the group that was like glitch hunting? Did you enjoy that kind of aspect as well? So I was not part of that group. Um, Glitch hunting isn't really something i've ever done much of uh i i don't know how the game works on that level i i would mm-hmm. guess it's a good way to put it in order for me to like make a direct effort to discover glitches um and then i got started in like overall glitches a little later than a lot of the original people who were like figuring everything out there are a few things like once i learned how all the overall glitches and stuff worked it was i did a lot of looking around for like ways to go from a to z without breaking Mm -hmm. the game in a way that would be useful like uh like one of them at the time was you can't go north from Hera because it mosaics and crashes the game Mm -hmm. but it turns out that uh 
there was me and a few other people that in some combination, we figured out that that was Skullwoods or not Skullwoods, Lostwoods, and that you could get to the entrance to Lostwoods from that screen without crashing. And then that you could get to the hole in the bush without crashing. And so now like, it's not super useful, but you can go from Hera to Lostwoods in overworld glitches. And it was kind of that kind of thing is like what I would mess around with a lot. I never really found Mm -hmm. anything super useful, Um, but that's like the extent of my glitch hunting. It's just taking stuff we already know and going, hmm, I wonder if this will work on this screen. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I never like discovered anything or anything. So where did your tournament success start to begin then? Was it the the next tournament? Were you part of the 512? Did you, were you entering all of the tournaments that there, uh, there, as they're happening? So after the first tournament, I qualified for every tournament after that, at least the like Mm -hmm. main stages, um, with the exception of like last year's, which I did not qualify (laughs) for. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, um, I know I had a, I, I had a, a few, really good qualifier stages um like one of them in the swiss rounds i went seven and oh i qualified first for one of the i don't know if it was speed gaming live or one of the like online events Mm. but i had a couple like first place or like top three qualifiers finishes like overall Mm. um even though i never got to go to a speed gaming live event like participate in one yet but uh Mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of like the extent. It's funny you say tournament success because I think this year I got to the round of eight and that's the best I've ever done if you don't count the Challenge Cup, which right. a lot of people we'll, we'll t- did we'll not think I deserved that. to be in there. But <laughs> We'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, Excluding that one, I, I haven't actually had a lot of tournament success as far as finishes is what I'm getting at. Sure, but I feel like you're always in the thick of it. I feel like you were always like in brackets or in the top 32, top 16 sort of area. Am I, am I wrong about that? Or I, I think that seems accurate. I know there was one tournament I got eliminated like first round in the brackets, which mm-hmm. really felt bad. Um, but I, mm-hmm. I think other than that, I've usually always made it past at least the first round. So Right. So as far as like the community goes, I think this, I, I, I'm trying to figure it out, but I think this is one of the reasons why I might have been a little bit more intimidated is it felt like you weren't racing casually as much. It felt like you were more of like, here comes the tournaments and here comes your rush. And he's going to like crush most people, you know, when you mm-hmm. get to the, the top or upper end of the brackets and you're facing Andy and, and Ari and some of those, then sure, things might not go your way, but you're there to bully people <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> is that true? Or am I, were we just hanging out in different circles? Cause I know like Ninjembro took a break and, and stopped playing mm-hmm. Rando for a while. Um, who were, wh- what circles were you in or were you even a part of like the community? I mean, I was a part of the community in the sense that I played, I, I didn't really have any social circles at the mm. time, like until, until the league started and there was like Ganon's gone wild and Relkin were like, Hey, you want to join me in the team? All right. Well, there was a season before that, but the people I kind of just joined a team on a whim in that one. Right. Um, but until that, like, I didn't really, I wouldn't say I didn't have like friends in the community. More like I was friendly with some people in the community. Sure. But you know, being I don't know, I I have it's weird to say I I didn't really have much time to develop friendships in the randomizer scene. Mm-hmm. Because like I, you know, I, I already have that outside of the randomizer scene, right? So right, sure. It's just it's like cool, I can make a lot of friends, but like I'm only playing this game when I'm actually playing it. I'm not like yeah. hanging out with rando people outside of it. So yeah. But now I'm like part of a few discords. So yeah, I think that's where the intimidation comes from because it was like, here comes the ringer. <laughs> here comes Zero Rush just to just to mess things up. So you, yeah. you do join the league first season. With a couple people, I can't even remember. It was like LJ, it M- was Nin, and yeah, and uh, Swag something, Swagalicious or something. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I popped into the league, and they were like, and and a couple people were like, "Hey, uh, we got you know room for one. You want to join?" And then I looked at the signups, and it's like fifteen out of sixteen teams. I was like, "Yeah, right." <laughs> um, yeah, and that that was a little interesting because I like even though I was on their team, I didn't really get to know them that well. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I felt like I tried because I was like, hey, you know, let me let me know if you guys want to, you know, talk strategies or you need any like helps with 
any assistance with the, you know, strats or practice because they were both at the time, I think, very new. But like they were basically just complete strangers. <laughs> so there was not <laughs> right. a lot of communication there. I think they were just like, Ooh, let's play the league. Um, right. I think it was I think that's what it was, was your they were definitely a league or two lower than you as far as like talent goes. But we needed a 16th team. And I think you guys all just kind of yeah joined up. Even the name was, you know, just put together Rush the Nintendo Swag. That sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that first season, it looks like you did okay. Yeah. Like you beat Kyong in the, in the last week and uh, lost to Thelane. But then season two is kind of where you're, you're more, I guess, become a part of a community a little bit more with, with Relkin and mm-hmm. was it GGW that year? I believe so. That sounds yeah. right because I'm pretty sure because, uh, yeah, that's kind of the year I met you and all of them. And uh, mm-hmm. I met like Gamma and all, all the other people because Rogan's like, hey, you want to play Among Us? And then that obviously <laughs> led to okay. a, <laughs> yeah. Among Us. Gosh, I, I haven't talked Among Us with anyone on the <laughs> podcast yet. But. All right. Yeah. So you join I Like Big Boost. Just did you know Relkin at this point or was it Relkin just kind of recruiting, recruiting you a little bit? No, I think Relkin was like pretty new at this at that point or, or at okay. least relatively new. Um, sure. It, it's hard for me to say because I didn't pay much attention at that. Like at that point, I was kind of checked out of anything that wasn't a tournament mm. in terms of like like I, the um there wasn't like the big weekly like hundred person races anymore. You know, right. Things kind of. They were like pickup races and stuff, but outside mm-hmm. of specific events, there wasn't like these big community races that I was doing right. or anything. So I, I think, yeah, I mean, that's the first time I met them. Um, and I okay. don't think I really knew them much before then. Yeah, but it changed your life. I mean, you and GGW yeah. go way back now. <laughs> yep. But yeah, he's actually met Ninjembro and I haven't met him yet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So that like in right. person. So that, that season you guys got together. Mm-hmm. You know, now you're playing with people that are more along the lines of of your level skill wise. Maybe not GGW, but he was fresh. He was fresh as hell back then. <laughs> <laughs> sure, but you guys do go 13 and one that season. You ended up losing to the Kyung Farami uh, Super Nintendo Taylor team in the first round or the second round mm-hmm. of the finals. So that's quite the quite the run there. Yeah, it's the best league performance I ever had. And then the next two one or two seasons, I just choked. Yeah, so you did. Uh, <laughs> let's see, nine four and one and you went four three and one that the season three and then eight and six mm-hmm. and that's when you replaced uh relkin with hitsian well i wouldn't <laughs> say we replaced him he replaced us <laughs> right uh that's true he got he got abandoned you guys yeah yeah he he moved on to greener pastures did you guys end up making the playoffs and ended up losing to moogle and and uh and julo that year mm-hmm. and then this season you didn't join because you're not really playing rando so kind of what what has happened as far as as rando goes for you you know i'd like to say that i'm like retired but that's probably not true i think i'm just burnt out a little bit i don't know i've mm-hmm. been i've been a bit down about my performance the last couple of years in all the tournaments obviously last year i didn't even qualify which honestly maybe isn't to be isn't surprising because it's not like I was like in my like I wasn't well practiced I just kind of joined and did like I think like the first qualifier I did for that tournament was like the first time I had played in months Mm -hmm. so that's I don't know I, I guess it was interesting to find out that the that I was no longer this is going to sound really arrogant, but that I was no longer that much better than everyone else, so to speak. <laughs> no, I, I don't think that's arrogant. I think there's a yeah. truth. I feel like there's that you were part of that group of people that were really good. You know, you'd, you'd uh, run NMG, you'd, you'd build up your, your, your skills. And then mm-hmm. in the interim, the game kind of blows up and mm-hmm. people get good at the game and people, yeah. you know, strategize uh, at playing and, random. Uh, and you get guys like Gamma Chu who don't run NMG and for some reason are still really good at the game. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So that that tournament sucked for me. Um I ended up joining the Challenge Cup cuz technically I qualified for it, which some mm-hmm. people were not very happy about, I hear. But went through that. I th- I got to the finals and then like double choked on Ganon two games in a row with Master Sword somehow. Were people um, really not happy about you joining the Challenge Cup? Because it wasn't like you threw in the, well, in the tournament. I say people, but maybe it was only just I was hearing about it from like mm, a couple. Sure. Like, I, I definitely got forwarded some comments. People 
we're making. I'm not going to name any names, but <laughs> sure. There's a, there's at least a couple people who didn't think I should have been in there and thought they shouldn't have allowed me to join, which is fair. But technically, I was eligible, so whatever. Right. Um. But I didn't even win, so yeah, yeah. It's not um, like you yeah. intentionally shit the bed to join the challenge cup, which I think some people, because I I remember like Dracaris didn't didn't make it one year, and I think like Chisame also trying to join the challenge cup without doing, and they had to end up making like all these different rules, yeah, to make sure that people weren't like just trying to win a tournament. <laughs> Sandbag, um, yeah. I, yeah. I can assure you, I would I I did not try not to qualify for the main <laughs> tournament. It, it did not feel good. Um, no offense to the people who did join the challenge cup. A lot of them were new players or newer players, and sure. a few of them who are actually in that challenge cup qualified and did really 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 well in the current tournament mm -hmm. people were moving up but yeah it was it, it didn't feel it felt like i got like relegated down a peg you know what i mean sure was it was it eye, eye opening for you like did it really feel like oh maybe i'm i don't know like well, how were you feeling as far as like the the rest of the community goes was it shocking to you that that people had gotten as good as they had gotten i don't think it was shocking i think there's this like i don't want to say problem with randomizer but it's it's the kind of game and the kind of like, the, obviously it's random, right? The, mm -hmm. the, it gets to a certain point where it feels like being better at the game doesn't have as much as an impact as you'd like it to. Yes. And, um, just because of the way the game is right. Like mm -hmm. after it's like that, like if you look at it in terms of NMG, you know, like the top 10 runners versus the top 100 runners, like the, like the skill gap in terms of effort is massive. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, but the difference in time is small is like one to two minutes. So you look at something like randomizer, you can be like the best ever and you make one wrong move. You know, I'm going to go check spike cave. I'm going to, I have two pendant dungeons and it's one of them. And I picked the wrong one. Yep. Like you can't make up for that realistically at you know I, I would say at like the medium and higher skill level it's right. very 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 hard to yeah. come back from that kind of deficit and so it wasn't so much it was like shocking so much as it's like wow the community's at the point where everyone is like this good now mm -hmm. and you know it kind of kills a little bit of the motivation to improve at the game because you don't sure. think you know, like it feels like it's not as rewarding as it used to be. Right. Because so. it's not a matter of execution necessarily. It's about kind of getting lucky when you get to a certain level, right? If it's, if it's you mm -hmm. and Andy and, and you're, you're in a race, you're both are excellent at, at running the game vanilla, right? You both can, mm -hmm. can perform and you can execute and you go left and he goes right is the choice. And if left is the right yeah. answer, you're just kind of bone, right? Yeah, that's um, that's actually what happened. <laughs> that that actually happened. That was our. I don't think it was the most recent time. Maybe it was the most recent time we played. Uh, it was the situation was like we both won Independent Ice Palace. I was like mm -hmm. ten seconds ahead of him. Um, and I got to one of the chests, and it was like the flute or something, something to open up in the next Crystal Dungeon. And I left, and Annie's like, "I'm going to go kill Cold Stare," and Cold Stare dropped the medallion that i think it was the medallion he dropped something that was required right. and it's yeah. just like you know oops and it's because yep. it, people competitive people have a tendency like they'll look at these games and they'll play and like all right what could i have done better where can i improve and you look at a situation like that and there's not really a right answer it's like you could argue that you know well if you went into the dungeon you should have full cleared it but then you play against people who don't do those things like that was like right. the meta so to speak for a long mm -hmm. time was like, Hey, don't do ice cave or ice rat cave because it takes too long. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but nowadays people do do it because they don't want to lose the game if they don't do it. And it just shifts a lot like that. So sure. at, at the end of the day, there's like, it, it's hard to come up with a game plan to improve your percentages. That isn't just like, you know, I've I've run the numbers and after a thousand races <laughs> right. leaving Ice Palace right. after the first progression item is a 0.5% better outcome. You'll mm -hmm. win 0.5% more of the time and it's like, you know, yeah. okay. So, it at at some point you just kind of like, "Ah, eh, whatever," you know. It we're basically coin flipping and so it kind of kills the motivation to like practice and improve at the game. Yeah. At least at the base game. There's a lot of different modes and all kinds of stuff going on now. Um like I don't really play entrance, but 
you know, I have to admit entrance is like probably one of the highest skill ceiling modes right. at the moment in terms of routing, mm-hmm. which, which is cool. So it wasn't yeah. ever really like the social aspect of Rando that drew you in. It was always like the competitive no. angle, right? Yeah, it was something new. I'd never played anything like it before. Um, I mean, I've played like roguelites and stuff in the past, but when it's a game, it's a Super Nintendo game that you loved as a child, it kind of mm-hmm. sucks you in. So, yeah, it's dope. When the competitive nature of the game kind of wasn't as the draw anymore, it feels like your interest in playing the game began to really wane then, right? Yeah. Because yeah, it wasn't exactly. like you're doing like like lots of multi-worlds or just casual like voice call races or any of that <laughs> stuff. You wanted to play like tournaments and win and grind. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that, that kind of sounds where you were at. Yeah, exactly. And um, I, I think a bit of it too is I, I did better this tournament than I have in a long time. Like I got to round of eight, which I think is my best performance ever. Um, So I should be proud of that. But none of like the matches I played like they didn't it, it was hard to like I don't feel like I played particularly well in a lot of them. It felt like they came down to whether or not or rather they came down to which one of us made the correct decision at the crucial moment. You mm-hmm. know, like yeah. you get to Dark World, do you go to pod or do you go to village? If you went to pod, mm-hmm. congratulations, you won that kind of thing. And so from <laughs> from a viewer perspective, obviously it's still as interesting as it ever was. But from like playing it, it kind of feels like it's out of my hands. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll still probably join tournaments and things like that. But I don't know if I'll ever be able to just like play it casually again. Because sure. unless it's like a, a new mode, like I'll play overall glitches every now and again because that's just fun to play. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot going on there. But so yeah. what do you see as someone that's been around as long as you have? The big difference between Rando in 2017 and Rando in 2022. Well, I mean, outside of the obvious, which is that the community is a lot better than they used to be. Like nobody, nobody's winning races by 20 minutes anymore in open Mm -hmm. mode, at least. Um, The game's a lot different. So there's been a ton of work that went into the development of the game itself. Just like the core logic of the game. Because like in... 2017, I think it was like version 18 or whatever was the the OG tournament mode. Like there were still like heavily weighted locations like Pyramid Ledge, you know, stuff like that. Mm. It's like there's always progression on Pyramid Ledge and the game is certainly a lot more random these days. Um, so that's nice, I guess. Uh, but at least as far as the community goes, I would say it's a lot, a lot larger and there's not as much going on at the high level so to speak, like the development level, just because right. so much has been done already. Like it, it feels like if I check in on like rando news, you know, what's going on in the world of randomizer, there's just hasn't been much for the last couple of years, which is yeah. unfortunate, but there's a lot going on at the community level. It's just, I'm not really as involved there at all. Really. Right. You, you never really had interest in like joining the council or doing any of that kind of like bullshit. God, no, no, thank you. <laughs> We found a cheater. I mean, I, I'm not going to get into it, but you know, it's <laughs> yeah, fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes, sometimes you just, you got to try a second time. That's all I'm going to say. Sure. But as far as like glitch logic or like which glitch should be legal and all that kind of like back and forth, you never really cared about any of that stuff. I mean, it's hard to say I didn't care. I used to get into that's probably where a lot of people know my name. I used to get into hello arguments with people in the racing council channel. <laughs> that's right. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and in and in Twitch chat too. <laughs> but uh <laughs> mostly because mostly around minor glitches, but as far as like it, it always felt to me like the glitch classifications in the early days when the council first started was based more on how hard the glitch was to do mm. and less about what it actually accomplished. And then mm. eventually we kind of, we had this whole thing blow up at the same time in the actual vanilla speedrun when, uh, like spooky was found and, um, the, uh, we found the, like the rail clip icebreaker. That's the one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, about whether or not they should be allowed because right. for the longest time, there's like, well, this is a major it's a major glitch because you clip out of bounds and it's a minor glitch because it's indoors because there's like the hammer jump is the famous example is a real clip. Right. But nobody actually wanted to remove the legality of hammer jump. So eventually it was like, <laughs> right. right, this is grandfathered in. 
don't stop asking about it. We're not talking mm-hmm. about it anymore. And we'll go forward from there. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, so obviously they allowed it in randomizer, which was really cool. I thought it should have been legalized in vanilla too, but I understand why they didn't. Um, right. But yeah, I, I guess, I guess I really only popped in to argue when people were whining that hovering <laughs> should be banned. If we really, if we really are honest with ourselves, all I did was argue with people who wanted to ban hovering. So <laughs> I would say I probably didn't care that much otherwise. So, okay. I feel like, I mean, I, I could bring up like uh, voice calls and your opinion on that, but I, I don't want to get too deep into <laughs> like some yeah. of the, more, the more negative stuff because uh, I mean, you, you have opinions, right? Like you have opinions yeah. and they're strong and you know, you're not afraid to share them. Yeah. Well, the voice call thing, um, I don't even disagree with it. It just seemed kind of stupid. Uh, to like go out of your way to ban voice calls when it's really not it, it's not like they're like hey you can't be in a voice call with someone in the race because that was already not allowed it was yeah you can't be in a voice call with anyone period unless it's an emergency and it's just <laughs> right. like why <laughs> right and then and then they're like it's for the competitive integrity of the scene and it's like mm-hmm. is it really is it really right. or or are you just right. mad because someone was in a voice call during a high profile match and they shouldn't have been? <laughs> I think you brought up chat and all that kind of stuff too. And yeah, I will. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, nobody's ever going to ban Twitch chat. It, it'd be nice if they would enforce, <laughs> right. like if you're in a recorded race, you should have your chat on emote only. Yeah. Because I think probably the vast majority of unintentional cheating, so to speak, occurs in ch- in text chat. Yeah. And I know people are like, you can, you know, you have mods. People can mod your chat. It's like, well, not if you're a smaller streamer, first of all. And second of all, you have even more control over voice because you can just not be in voice with people you don't trust to spoil something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. That was a big blow up too. Mostly I didn't really like, they just kind of announced it out of nowhere and then disappeared yeah. for an hour and then came back. I mean like, all right, I guess we'll make a statement about why we did this. Right. I just like, I like, I don't really like getting into those like text arguments cause it's so pointless to try to argue yeah. over discord, but I'm always looking for the zero chat like interjections because one, you don't give a shit what people think about whether you, what you have to say and you have a strong opinion about it and you like to fuck with people too. So there's all of those three aspects kind of like make it super entertaining. Yeah. I I do like fucking with people. I'm not going to lie. That's, that's a lot of fun, but I don't, usually I don't mean any harm by it. I'm just a very sarcastic asshole a little bit. Right. But uh, But sarcasm, it's hard to read sarcasm in text, right? Like that's the, that's the real problem. Exactly. So, Right, so we've been we spent an hour already. I feel like there's more stuff, but we're going to end this with um, the question that I ask everyone on the show. Mm. And then it's about tilt. How do you handle tilt? What's your advice on handling tilt? What's your approach to it? Whether it be rando oh, or other games God. or life or whatever. So so how do you approach tilt, whether it's like in the middle of the game or the end of the race or, or even a, a completely different game? So I don't, I don't know if anyone's answered in this way before, and this might sound really like kind of cringy, but... I think the most important thing with tilt is recognizing you're tilted and being honest with yourself about it. Cause a lot of people will be like, I'm not tilted and angry. Everything I'm saying out loud right now is completely justifiable. And it's just like, no, you need to take a deep breath, realize that, you know, you're clearly in a very bad mood and on full tilt and just kind of mellow out a little bit. And I think if Mm -hmm. people get better at doing that with themselves, then it usually gets a lot better because it happens in races a lot. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can take a deep breath, go, holy shit, this is, you know, I can't believe I did that or this thing happened to me and just kind of adjust your expectations and then forget everything else happened and move forward. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's right. what I try no, to I do. Think, <laughs> sure. I think with anything, it's you try to take something and, and like even in like the, like a vanilla speed run, right? You know the strat. But do, can you perform it right? And so with like yeah. tilt, you prepare yourself for it, and, and when it comes, can you can you handle it? Yeah, exactly. Plus, you can always have just learn come and tell you to shut the fuck up or calm the fuck down. Yeah. I think that also helps yep. too. So yeah, that happens a lot. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks so much for doing the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I just want to thank Zero Rush for being on the show. Real good dude. Real fun conversation. I love how much Zero enjoys other people's salt. (laughs) 
Really glad that he was on the show and loved hearing his story. All right, season finale is on Monday with a little guest, someone you may have heard of named Andy. Had a really good conversation with Andy. I think Andy is the first guest where I'm guaranteed to have a two-part episode with like i know i'd like to have a lot of other people back because we you know we finished the episodes and it's like oh we could have kept going but with andy we hardly cover everything like there is so much that we missed so hopefully in the uh, near future we can get a second andy episode because dude's got a lot of stories and has been around for a long time is really good at the game i don't think we even cover any of his like actual playing of the game (laughs) in the episode it's uh, a lot of uh, the gdq story and his intro to the game and and that kind of stuff it's a really good conversation I'm, i'm really excited for everyone to hear this that'll be out this monday and it will be the season two finale all right on saturday we've got the 216 weekly standard start cross keys chosen by humbug noon eastern restreamed on my channel twitch.tv slash fear agent underscore come check it out come hang out if you want to watch the com booth is always open if anyone wants to join me again the only requirement is that you're not an asshole or a dick just be a cool person which uh, everyone in the 216 discord is and you can join me in the com booth for that 216pod.com has all the links you need. It has a link to the Discord if you want to join that. Lots of fun conversations going on over there. A lot of chatter after the Willard episode. A lot of talk about uh, the future of 216 for Season 3. Lots of sports talk. Lots of good stuff. So uh, make sure you check that out. 216pod.com again has all those links. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're available everywhere. Really appreciate everyone listening to Season 2. It's been a blast. It's been an incredible lineup for Season 2. And I'm glad you've all been a part of the ride. Really appreciate you all. Thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week.